Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 435, and today we'll be talking about Little Fingers from Bee and Puppy Cat. I'm JC13. And I'm David. What the hell are we talking about today, JC? What? What? What is going on? What is the intent of the people writing this show? I wish I had an answer to that question, David. Unfortunately, you've seen the whole series of Lazy in Space thus far. Not lost in space, as you said last time. Rip. And uh, <laughs> if even you're lost, what chance do I have to guide us back home? So, to be clear, the summary of this episode is Puppycat spends $500 in in-app purchases in Pretty Patrick Egg Adventure. So they go to space where they do a temp job with these aliens that have little disgusting fingers and they want to touch soda poured in a giant cup. Oh, and also the soda's giant, and B spills it, so Puppy Cat just lets the alien touch his face for half the money. That's it. <laughs> and B-plot is, Toast is pregnant. Yeah, you missed the best part. <laughs> <laughs> and Merlin is the father. That's episode five of B and Puppy Cat, and it's episodes like this that make me write in my notes just the first sentence, how do you dissect a B and Puppy Cat episode? What what is it? <laughs> what 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 is the intent of the experience? What I, what I want to know is was like Justin Rowland brought on as a consultant <laughs> for the the Palm Planet job or something. Were like they having Twitter conversations with him the day they were creating those two aliens? What happened there? It reminded me of Midnight Gospel in that sort of. Pendleton Ward Adventure Time, what the hell type creatures that you just encounter episode to episode where these guys have a weird, like their movements and talking is disconnected from the style of how they're talking or it's not disconnected. They're very connected <laughs> in that it's weird, but it's just disjointed and strange and one of them will have an, an angry-ish looking expression, but their voice hasn't really changed. And one of them's just poking the other one's eyeballs a bunch because, well, that's their thing. They like touching things. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't mean much, right? And, and they talk differently than anyone else in the show, which makes them not just alien, but incomprehensible. <laughs> like, uh, it's a huge style clash. Which I think is, we'll actually continue to see that in Bee and Puppycat, where sometimes the aliens are, you know, cozy and cute and... Like the puffballs. Yeah, there's the puffballs that spawn little puffballs. There's the cat dojo slash bathhouse. There's... The human cafe. Plenty of nice locations. But uh, once we get to the actual villains of this show, as much as there are villains, We'll see just how tonally things can clash. <laughs> so this is maybe even a foreboding of the type of tonal clash that can exist <laughs> within uh -oh. an episode. Uh -oh. But it, it still fits, right? It's a weird, wacky adventure for B to go on. I love her with a soda-themed soda outfit. Yes, yeah, with a almost 3D effect of having multiple layers of soda inside the dress. Very cool. Yeah, it's like they turned her into soda, is what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's always nice to see. 
I mean, she could always do the I'm a little teapot routine, just pop the cap off and tilt her head. But in an episode like this, I just pause and look at the timestamp because they don't get into their adventure until more than halfway through the runtime. And they're only on this adventure for a quarter of it. (laughs) It's funny. It's funny what the focus is. They spend a lot of time on Puppycat being intensely unlikable this episode. Uh, He redeems himself at the end, but holy cow, I was hating him at the beginning. Well, it's hilarious, and it's so sad to watch B struggle to say, Hey, hey, look at me, Puppycat. You cannot spend this money. You can't please stop. I know you being a gremlin is funny for the audience, but I don't know there's an audience, so this is extremely painful for me. (laughs) Pretty Patrick's Egg Adventure is the only thing that's real, David. Yeah. But it's it's funny that the the joke of in-app purchases was as relevant as when this episode was probably conceptualized (laughs) eight years ago uh, as it is today. Uh, It's not going to get any less relevant anytime soon, sadly enough. (laughs) It's funny that, you know, I don't know where B would fall on the spectrum of mobile gaming, but now we know that she's pretty firmly against the idea that you would pay to speed up a fake, you know, a virtual timer for a virtual egg boiling, which apparently the game is only about boiling eggs. (laughs) It's not about it's in true mobile game fashion. Not about a full experience of, you know, cooking and living with Pretty Patrick. It's it's just one really stupid cookie clicker-esque game. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like when they made Cow Clicker to mock Farmville and they started, you know, getting huge amounts of popularity because of why? Why are you people playing my joke game? <laughs> this was meant to be satire. So, you know, if we try to take a really critical lens uh, this episode... I mean, what this functionally does for B and Puppy Cat in the A plot is it lets us see B struggle with Puppy Cat in a significant way. Like, she mostly finds him cute and wants to just obsess over him, but this gives her a good avenue to be significantly <laughs> distressed by him. And then it does give Puppy Cat the opportunity to do something like genuinely good for a change, which is that he takes. The uh takes responsibility. Yeah, he takes the love letter from the computer seriously and wants to somehow connect the silent and definitely never a character cell phone, <laughs> B's cell phone, which, uh yeah, so he decides to deliver this letter at the right time in the episode by typing in a series of uh, of binary numbers. And it somehow triggers everyone's phone on at least the island to see some message. And it doesn't make any sense. And a drawing of Tempbot, too. I guess cell phone was really digging Tempbot as well. Yeah, I don't know why it makes all the phones vibrate and have a notification. Well, I mean, Tempbot never uh, gave cell phone the phone number. To contact, so cell phone <laughs> just, just had contacted to contact everyone's all. number. I guess that's an interpretation. It's an interpretation. <laughs> that's the thing. I don't know how to interpret it. It was either that or Tempbot's love letter was actually a hack, and all the phone just you know responded by replicating the worm. I don't think that's what they're going for. I, I think <laughs> cell phone responded to the love letter. Oh, you think... 
we think that cell phone has an identity. Why not? <laughs> and choices. Why it's not? It's beautiful. Are you saying the tempbot was wrong? Are you saying tempbot fell in love with an inanimate object? All I'm saying is that B listed a lot of more inanimate objects before considering the idea, including her shorts and her shorts under her ah. quote shorts, before she said, oh, my phone? <laughs> she did list those eggs, and those eggs hatched into very real birds that helped them out very kindly on their temp job. Yes, so <laughs> that's that's another thing I noted is, so, okay, our A-plot lets us see a little bit of stuff about B and Puppycat. Maybe nothing plot-wise interesting, but uh, slightly character-building. The B-plots are not woven in in any way except for the birds. No. The birds functionally exist to show a positive of these tears being created from Cardamon's mom. We also see that some of the plants turn kind of vile looking. The horrific piranha plant? Yeah, so there's a mixture, right? There's a mixture of good and bad coming from these tears. We get a little bit of dialogue from Cardamon saying he doesn't know what these are. It's nice to see that B isn't oblivious to this situation. She wants to help Cardamon. She has real follow-up questions compared to Steven Universe. So those are all nice to see. I mean, she's been at this a lot longer than Steven. Give him time. <laughs> yeah, she she has literally been alive much longer. But the other B-plot, they only weave together because their house, the wizard's house, happens to be right there. <laughs> and uh, much of the wizard plot is is that way, really, the whole time. They're just kind of there They just happen as well. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're, they're just a funny set of boys and girls, aren't they? I, I, I really don't know what to do about Toast. She is thinks she's fulfilling a prophecy of doom upon their entire household, not just Cass. Why? Well, now <laughs> they'll all be the aunts and uncles to her child, so she'll be in their lives forever. Why? Why, Merlin? <laughs> you came home from doctor school and you knocked up Toast! The just first woman that was available? How was he supposed to know she was crazy? She's a pretty girl. She's super into him. Like, he doesn't know that she, like, I don't know. He knows. He's a doctor. That's the, that's <laughs> great, right? That's the contrast. He should be the smartest of all of them, right? And yet, what has he done? You can only, only in Bee and Puppycat, where the episode structure is so relaxed, can you spend time in Merlin's dream of anything that happens right in this episode. We experience Merlin's dream of him running away from Cass toward an airplane, which had a hilarious edit, right? Where, like, it cuts to, like, they're running, and then we see cut zoom out oh <laughs> he's trying to run directly into a plane but then somehow a giant animal bird thing eats them and then he wakes up and we see that he's just been sleeping at the top of a utility pole that's great like those moments are great with toast below him that's so adorable <laughs> yeah they're up there as if that one would actually prevent cats from getting to them <laughs> but but two I, like, do they live in fear? Is is Toast protecting him? That's so cute. But <laughs> I do enjoy, like, this is slice of life, in my mind, done correctly, where you just truly take time to be as weird 
and yet chill as possible. There's no tension <laughs> in these wizard household moments. They're pure fun. But also, I have no idea where they come up with the ideas or why. Like, why pregnancy? I'm going to tell you now, like most pregnancies in cartoons I've watched, it won't have any relevance until the final episode. <laughs> because they do that, don't they? They're just pregnant. And it doesn't drive any particularly interesting thing, except I guess it justifies a second reason for Toast to stay in this household. But it's not like there we're we going to go. see any development with Merlin or them perform any kind of relationship. At least not one that was memorable enough the first time I watched it compared to everything else happening. Merlin doesn't seem to talk much, so I, I don't think we're going to get a word out of him. Doesn't seem to be the situation. Is he a doctor now? Did he succeed fail in doctor school what is he doing hmm. why isn't his hair green blue he never did explain how doctor school went food for thought this family doesn't seem to be doing that well with succeeding in the professional world i'll say that yeah they uh they really need to hire an actual chef for the cafe i mean maybe toast brings that to the table she might be able to cook with boxing gloves on <laughs> Yeah, they they never even, not that she would ever volunteer to do that, but I'm not thinking that would be funny to have seen her try to, to cook at the restaurant. But uh, I guess Merlin's not really involved in the operations of the cat cafe. Nope, nope, he's got, he's got other plans in mind. I wonder if he's going for general practitioner or if he's looking to get into a specialty. Is he? What is he? Who is he? <laughs> the father of Toast's child! Oh my god. And, as far as Cass is concerned, a dead man. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, going back to how unlikable Puppy Cat is in this episode. Oh no. Three times she saves his life. And, like, I'm eternally grateful. Picks up phone, starts buying more time again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best part. And very good comedic timing. The comedic timing is excellent on that. I applaud them. But... It's like, mm, puppy cat, you you really rode the roller coaster down so you could redeem yourself to get back to where you were at the start of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I do like. I mean, how he uses phrases like "eternally grateful," only to just rip out that phone again. I did also like the death ceremony sequence where <laughs> be carried into <laughs> the edge of the cliff, only to squeeze out some purple juice he drowned on inside the tree of tears Ooh, tree of tears that sounds fancy i like that not an official name <laughs> well it's a good one we should make a game called tree of tears i i was watching this episode and thinking the pretty patrick game seems pretty simple to make that would be a fun little code weekend exercise if i wanted to get into unity it's it's like when they did jerry's game from that one episode of yeah the balloon popping game from Rick and Morty. Yeah, Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty, yeah. <laughs> that one, the not the Jerry show, whatever those other characters' names are. Yeah. No, but yeah, that'd be like a fun game intro. I don't know, I've tried to, every, I think within every developer, like within every English teacher, there's a writer. Within every software developer, there's a game developer, right? That's what the cool kids do. <laughs> but, you know, learning Unity, it's hard. Yeah, I I just liked Puppy Cat averting his eyes with that. Uh, what what did he refer to the 
the egg-laying beast. He had a weird name for it. You have to summon the... Oh, <laughs> that weird the, the chicken thing. that appears, but he gave it some name as if it was like a horrifying alien creature unknownst to him, which he probably invented, and that probably was just a normal hen. Yeah. I, I just... Him averting the eyes was very funny. Oh, right, as its butt laid the eggs. I wonder why he's only boiling three eggs at a time. He had plenty of room for more. Oh, here, I'm going to tell you what the name of this thing was. He says, first you add the water, then you turn on the heat and you summon the egg hag. <laughs> the so, egg hag. I guess yes. I just remembered it. He didn't come up with an alien name. He just called it a hag. Oh, my God. Ah, <laughs> uh, the egg hag. Yes. I mean, I guess... Uh, I, I like that Pretty Patrick is a recurring element through the through the series. Oh, yeah. No, he plays great importance, actually, to the island's function. So get ready <laughs> well, for that. Puppy Cat got salmonella from eating eggs off of the floor. So that's his <laughs> um, just desserts. That's, that's the thanks he gets for spending $500 on that game. I'm, I'm going to say, based on... The, how predatory this app is it doesn't make sense given what we learn later about pretty patrick i i don't know if this product is connected to him also i don't understand why the episode ends with did, did b make him breakfast why are there little ca vigil yeah. candles or eggs all over the floor and did she not cook them all the way is that why he got salmonella yeah, I, I I don't know. I like she pressed the button with the little Tamagotchi looking thing. I guess that was like to claim a reward for buying so much. I, I some reason something in my head was making me think: Did Pretty Patrick deliver all that? Was that delivered on behalf of the Pretty Patrick Corporation? I mean, Puppy Cat said he was getting close to getting his personal hotline. So yeah, I actually hmm. that's a good point. I didn't. I couldn't interpret what B was doing on her phone with the Tamagotchi thing. So that must be it. It's got to be some kind of prize. Yeah, because she presses the button for the Tamagotchi thing, and then Puppy Cat has one. So that's tied to the app somehow. That's why I thought that the eggs were from the Pretty Patrick people as well. That's a way that B and Puppy Cat displays information to you is I, I, i've said in shows before oh show don't tell like do the environmental storytelling or just show me things without having a character explain it but then what happens i see stuff like yep. the final scene of this episode and i just it just completely passes by me because i don't even know how to deal with it but yeah now that i'm looking at the picture more clearly there's a bunch of split deviled eggs on the floor <laughs> because from another angle they're clearly eggs and not candles so <laughs> but they never say that like it's just so weird <laughs> i love it well there we go environmental storytelling you've done it again <laughs> anyway guys that's it for us on little fingers join us next week until then i'm gc13 and i'm david leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts later everybody Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.